Welcome back to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm Christy Graham, and I'm always excited to interview our guests, but today I'm especially grateful to have my father-in-law, Franklin Graham. And Franklin does not need an introduction, so I'm just going to jump right into our discussion okay, today. good. Good to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for doing this. This is great. It's a great addition, and we're just so thankful to have you and uh, Edward here in, in town, and... Um, uh, this is uh, this is an answer to a lot of prayer. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> well, part of my desire to be a part of this was hearing the stories from you and mm-hmm. getting to hear that personally firsthand and trying to bring that to our staff mm-hmm. and to our families. And so, if you don't mind, I love one of my favorite stories is how you came to know Christ mm-hmm. in the hotel room in Jerusalem mm-hmm. after running from the Lord for a very long time. Can you just tell us how the Lord brought you to your knees? Uh, you know, it's... Um, uh, someone once, I think, had a book uh, called The Hound of Heaven. And, um, you know, God, when, when we pray for our children, I don't think God uh, lets those prayers just go. Uh, but it has to be his timing. And I know my parents prayed for me and cared for me, but they also knew God had a time. And so I did. I ran from God for a long time. I didn't want God in my life. It wasn't that I didn't believe in God. I did believe. I just didn't want God running my life. I felt that um, I would be in like a spiritual straitjacket, and I wanted to be free. So uh, the more I tried to have fun, the more things that I did, um, uh, the more empty I became. And it wasn't something that just uh, happened overnight. It's a uh, just over a period of time, just the, this emptiness in my life and uh, realizing that um, something was wrong. And on my um, birthday, we were in Switzerland, in Lausanne, at the 1974 Lausanne conference. I was uh, for church leaders from around the world. And my father had put this conference together and uh, had a great group of people. So it was my 22nd birthday. So I was uh, looking for, or uh, my father was looking for a restaurant to take me for my birthday lunch. So there was a little Italian place uh, right down on the shores of Lake Geneva. We had lunch, and then he said, Frank, let's just go for a walk. So we went for a walk. Uh, they had like a, a large walkway going down the um, beside Lake Geneva. And he said, uh, Franklin, I just want you to know that uh, your mother and I, we love you. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's nice. And, you know, we walked a little further. And Franklin, I just want you to know that wherever you go in life, whatever you do, the door of our home is always open to you. Well, I never thought that it wouldn't be. You know, well, okay, that's nice. Thank you. And um, went a little further. And he said, Franklin, he said, um, your mother and I, we, we sense that there's a battle for the soul of your life. And you're going to have to make a decision soon, either to accept the Lord and to trust Him uh, and let Him be the Lord of your life, or you're going to have to reject Him. You cannot sit on the fence. There's no, there's no middle ground. And it kind of, uh, when he said it, it kind of made me mad because I knew he was right. I just didn't want to be confronted with it at the time. So I um, went back and uh, I thought about that a few Days later, about a week later, I was on a trip to the Middle East, and uh, it just kind of all came together one night. At that time, I smoked, and um, that night I just got my cigarettes, and I crammed them up and threw them in a trash can. I just said, Lord, I said, um, if you would just take the pieces of my life, you can have it. 
I've, I've screwed up. I've messed up. I can't, I can't do this any longer. But if you'll just take the pieces of my life, you can have it. And so that night I prayed that God would just forgive me of my sins. I invited Christ to come in to, into my heart to change me and to mold me however he wanted to mold me. And that I would give him my life and I would serve him for the rest of my life however he saw fit. And when I prayed that prayer, I meant it. And, um, and so that, that prayer, I've prayed similar prayers like that over the years. It's, Lord, you know, kind of rededicating my life. Father, here's my life. It's yours. Take it and use it however you want. And just, and I think that's important from time to time that we just reaffirm to the Lord that that commitment we'd made back, and this was in 1974 for me, that I still mean it today. I haven't forgotten it. And that, that commitment is still there. Yes. And God used several scriptures, but you're reading John 3. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, and there, there was a number of scriptures at that time that I was reading. I had several friends with me, um, a guy by the name of David Hill, uh, Roy Gustafson. had a big impact on my life. So the next morning I told Roy what I had done, and he, he well, Franklin, that's, that's good. And um, so, um, you know, it, it was a, it was a, a, big, a big event in my life. And I uh, came home and told my parents, you know, what had happened. They were thrilled and happy, and of course. And, and I think for a lot of people, it's kind of, well, we'll wait and see. Yes. <laughs> we're not sure Franklin can change. <laughs> now, you came home. You and Jane Austen mm-hmm. got engaged. And mm-hmm. so your first couple years of marriage, you mm-hmm. went to Bible school, worked on your dad's crusades. Mm-hmm. You were praying through what the Lord wanted to do in your life. Tell us about Dr. Bob Pierce coming into your life. Well, um, Bob Pierce, we were— um, in, in 75, uh, Bob invited me to go on a trip with him. I was on my way to, to, to coming to Appalachian School, so I went ahead and took this trip with Bob while I still had time to do it. And he wanted to go around the world. He wanted me to see the things that uh, he had seen. I think Bob in his heart was hoping that I would take Samaritan's Purse. He had started, only gone for just a few years. He was sick with leukemia. Uh, his secretary, uh, and he had, uh, it was himself and like three secretaries, and that was that was what Samaritan's Purse uh, was at that time. But when I traveled with Bob, uh, I, I, I saw the, the world through Bob's eyes, and he was looking for people that were in the ditch along life's road, people that had been abandoned, people that needed help, and uh, Bob would help them. And so Samaritan's Purse, uh, uh, that was an eye-opener for me. And then I came to Appalachia State, not quite sure what to do, but I took my degree in business because I realized that no matter what I do in life, there's always a business aspect to it, even if it's just balancing your own checkbook, even if you're going to go buy a home, even if you're going to uh, do anything, you need to have some basic understanding of how money works and how you uh, spend money and save money and these kinds of things. So. I took a degree in business here at Appalachia State, and Bob called and said, Franklin, I, I want to go take another trip. I want you to go with me. So I took my my um, spring break and took uh, uh, Dr. Furman, and we went uh, to New Guinea together with Bob Pierce. And I had to leave New Guinea early to get back to school, and Bob stayed, I mean, Dick Furman stayed with Bob an extra few few days. And it was a great trip for, for Dr. Furman uh, to be able to be with Bob Pierce. But... Um, it was uh, a year or so after that trip, Bob passed away. His board of directors at that time was just people I didn't know. Uh, I knew one of them, but that was it. And, and Bob would have wanted me to take over, but the board had not agreed. So now Bob is dead, right. and 
Bob had just put me on the board, and you could tell these board members weren't real happy that they had Bob had put me on there. So okay, I went to a board meeting, and nothing. You know, they they read their minutes and they did their thing, but there was no decision as to the future of the organization. And it wasn't until a year later that uh, the board finally met and said, Franklin, we feel you're the person to take over the leadership of the organization. And I remember we were in Los Angeles at the hotel there at the airport. And uh, when they made that motion and everybody voted yes, I thought, well, now what do I do? <laughs> uh, so uh, the, the office was in California. Um, Dr. Furman and his brother, Lowell Furman, Dick and Lowell Furman, had an office building here in Boone, and it had a flat roof. And they needed to put a second story on it. And Dick Furman said, why don't you bring Samaritan's Purse here? Because you already had World Medical Mission with had, them started. We had already World Medical Mission started at that time. And, uh, and it was, again, it was just me and a secretary. Um, and, we've, and Becky Williams is a volunteer. So I said, um, yeah, let's do it. And uh, I went to California with uh, Dennis Agajanian. And one of the guys that worked for my father at the time, and we packed up the SB office, which was filing cabinets, and put them in the back of a, a, a rental truck. I think it was a U-Haul. And I didn't know anything about moving, so we just set the filing cabinets right. in there. I just assumed they'd be sitting there when we got to right. North Carolina. When we got to North Carolina, these filing cabinets had turned over. All the files <laughs> were in the middle of the—it was a mess. And— um, so that's how we got started. Now, did any board members remain, or did you start? No, they they, they all remained okay. for uh, for a while. Um, uh, Bob Pierce's secretary, who was not uh, real supportive, but she mm-hmm. came for the first mm-hmm. uh, few months just to help us kind of get the office set up and get it. And then she went, she didn't want to live here; she wanted to go to California. And um, it just had a few volunteers from the church who came. And a lot of those volunteers uh, stayed and began to help me, began to work with me. And um, it, it's just something God has done. Because uh, I was at that time, I had no clue what I was doing. I remember Bob Pierce asking him, Bob, how do I, how do I um, write a newsletter? Right. He said, Franklin, God will show you. <laughs> oh, brother, okay, God's going to show me. Don't you, don't you want to give me some tips or just some ideas? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he said, well, he'll show you. And uh, and that's something that we we still struggle every time we write a newsletter because we want it to be fresh. We want it to be from the Lord. We want to tell the story. We want people, as they read it, to catch a vision for for what God is doing, not what Samaritan's Purse is doing, but what God is doing around the world and how Samaritan's Purse is playing a part in that. So, um, and that's, you know, we came to Boone and we started up Dr. Furman's office and, you know, and the Lord just took it from there. Every person... Uh, God has added different people. Uh, today we celebrate um, uh, Phyllis Payne's 70th birthday. And I needed, uh, needed somebody to help us in finance, and Phyllis was working at, the, at Appalachia State. And so she came in and she applied for this job, and I think we were offering like $13,000 a year. And she wanted, I think, fourteen thousand. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm not sure if we can afford her. And I remember we had George Johnston working for us that time. George said, Franklin, I think it's worth taking a chance. <laughs> <laughs> and she's and still um, here. but you, we have so many people that have been with us now, twenty years, thirty years, forty years, uh, people that have come that God has brought that have given their life 
uh, to, to the work. And it's just been a, a joy to work with people like this for so many years. And, you know, after all these years, you know, we knew each other very well. Um, they don't even have to ask me. They know what I'm going to say. Or, and, and the same thing, they know, know what I'm looking for when it comes to managing the organization. And they're just incredible help to the ministry. There are so many things that I, quotes that I love of Dr. Pierce, but one of them is his expression, God room. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that expression to us and maybe a way that God has proven himself through that God room? When Samaritan's Purse was much smaller, we we just didn't have the resources. And uh, Bob said, you know, Franklin, um, because I was talking to him about raising money and how you raise money and that kind of thing. He said, Franklin, accept the need where after you have done all that you can do, you, you've reached a, a certain level. But yet that is not the, the ultimate need. The need is higher than that. But after you have done all that you can do, that's where you and your staff, you pray, and you watch God just close that gap. And uh, he said, operate on the God room principle. Always leave a little bit of room in every project and everything that you do for God just to work. And it's so important, and, and sometimes we forget that. Mm-hmm. We need to leave God, and we need to make him a part of every equation that we do. And that's, uh, if we ever take our eyes off of that, then I think God's hand, he'll just remove his hand of blessing off Samaritan's Purse. One of the reasons we meet every day for devotions uh, as an organization, uh, I think that's the most important part of the day, because I want God to begin the day with us as we go throughout the day. Uh, it's not just having God room for the projects, but God have room in our lives to, to, to manage and to help run and direct our affairs on a day-to-day basis. So um, this organization is about one thing. It's about evangelism, uh, taking the gospel to the wars of this world, to the, uh, the storms of this world, uh, the chaos of this world, and helping people through those times, through those difficulties, but doing it in Jesus' name and doing it in such a way that we can not just interject Christ into that equation, but so that we can make Christ known and, um, and invite people to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what I was going to say, is that why Samaritan's Purse is different from all the other Christian organizations is that the gospel is first and foremost. Um, did you change the mission statement when you started Samaritan's Purse, or was that already No, it was pretty much there. Um, I think over the years we have tried to articulate it maybe a, a little bit better uh, from time to time, make it a little clearer. But, I mean, again, the, the mission statement is taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's as simple as that. But I want people to know that God loves them, that God cares for them. You know, when a person has been in the uh, – gone through a traumatic experience, let's say a tornado has come over your house and blown it apart. Sometimes people think that maybe God is mad at them. Why did God send that storm? What did I do? Have I not prayed enough? Did I not go to church enough? Or maybe I shouldn't have yelled at my wife, you know, and that's why he took our house and, you know, whatever. And I want them to know, no, uh, there, there are storms in life that we go through. And God does love us. He does care for us. But he cares about us. And he wants us to have a relationship with him. And that's through faith. And the Bible says, by grace are we saved through faith. And if we're willing to just simply believe in God by faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ, and turn from our sins and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll be saved. And I want people who go through the storms of life to know that they can be saved. 
not from future storms, because we're all going to have storms, but we can be saved from our sins, and we can know that ultimately, when our life is through on this earth, that we'll be in the presence of God for eternity. What is your prayer for the future of this ministry? I, I think the, you know, I had uh, years ago, I had a board member ask me what my five-year plan was. <laughs> five-year plan? Uh, I don't have a five-year plan. Um, it's hard to have a two-day plan because things change all <laughs> yes. the time. But it's my prayer for the future that as long as Samaritan's Purse can be true to the gospel and be faithful uh, to Christ, that we'll be able to continue well into the future, long after my life on this earth is over. But if we don't, if, if, if we're not faithful to the Lord, if we're not preaching the gospel, if we're not living for him, then my prayer is that God will just close the organization down and we can all go do something else. Didn't Roy Gustafson give you some advice early on that if you're not worthy, you know, that for you to not take the ministry? Yeah. And did that kind of shape your outlook? No, it did. Um, it's better to be mm-hmm. worthy mm-hmm. and not have it. Yes. Because there was a, a time in Samaritan's Purse um, when after Bob Pierce died, I didn't know what the, that board was going to do with it because I knew Bob wanted me to take it and he had the confidence in me. The board had to have that same – they had to feel that. And I think that year after Bob died, we had uh, about four board meetings. And I think it's during that time that um, the board had uh, maybe that same confidence that maybe Bob had. I had to get to know them. Mm-hmm. They had to get to know me. Uh, they asked me to take a trip for Samaritan's Purse, which they paid and I went overseas and came back and wrote a newsletter. That's when you wrote your first newsletter? So first newsletter and uh, agonized over that. But, um, I, you know, I was, I, Roy Gustafson was a person who was kind of a confidant, and I would talk to him, and, and I would just say, Roy, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, maybe I need to go do something else or look somewhere else. And, and he just said, frankly, it's better to be worthy and not have it than to be unworthy mm-hmm. and have it. And so that, that had uh, a lot of impact on my thinking at that time. I thought, you know, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, well, just let God um, work this out. Yes. And he did. I know. I love the way that the Lord led you here. So this podcast is meant to connect the global family of Samaritan's Purse, especially the spouses and the families. Mm-hmm. What would you like to say to that group in particular as they support their family member in Samaritan's Purse? Well, first of all, I think it's for for Jane and I, as we were raising our family, uh, we started every day as a family in prayer. And whether if you're if you are here in Boone or Wilkesboro or Charlotte or Texas, Colorado, California, mm-hmm. uh, working overseas um, at one of our sites or Alaska, whatever, um, start your own day with your family in prayer. That's that's the key. Start it every day. Finish every day before the kids go to bed. We would read a Bible verse, and then we get on our knees. As, we all, as a family, we would pray on our knees. So all the kids would get on their knees, and we would pray in a circle. Um, in the morning, I've kept the devotions a little shorter. Didn't ask all the kids to contribute in the morning because we're all running out the door to go to school. But in the evening, the kids would contribute, and they would give their thoughts and um Try to pick out a verse or passage that was easy for them to understand, but getting them in the habit of having prayer and Bible study 
uh, every day as a family. So I want to encourage for, for all of our SB staff, uh, if you just do this in your life, uh, God will just guide you and your family and direct you because you all are presented, and I'm, I'm not saying you all, I'm talking about the families that are overseas. You're wrestling with problems that I'm not aware of. You're dealing with situations that I'm not there. I, I, don't, I don't see it. And you just have to ask God to give you wisdom. And he did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Yes, and it's one of the, my favorite legacies you passed on. Edward does that with our family. We get on our knees. So thank you for instilling that and, and memorizing Scripture. You challenge yeah. your kids and your grandchildren to memorize Scripture, the ABCs. And, I would, um, and for all of our SP family that's listening, you could just uh, send an email to Paula uh, Woodring, and we have uh, the the uh, gospel alphabet, and it's a great thing to memorize with your children. Mm-hmm. Um, a, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. B, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. C, come unto me. Uh, anyhow, it's just yes. every there's a verse that corresponds with every letter in the alphabet, and so you memorize these with your children. And so we would start with A and uh, B, and then we'd, so we'd go through this. So if we were working on X, mm-hmm. um, you would go through all the alphabet till you got to X, and then you start memorizing X. So you reviewed every verse every day. Yes. And, uh, and then go to the verse that you're working. And I, I'm trying to think what X is. I think it's. Uh, it um, doesn't begin with X. It's a except, I think, except you believe in the Lord something. I'll have to say, I need to review. It's been a while since I reviewed them. But I would, uh, but for the family, for the young children, for, for, for them to memorize the Word of God and have the Word of God in their hearts uh, and teaching them at a, because my, my mother had us memorize scripture. She was afraid that uh, one day the Bibles would be taken away from us. Mm-hmm. And what would we do if we didn't have the Word of God? She wanted the Word of God to be in our hearts. And that's so for any parent, uh, and that day may come. We're living in a very difficult world where we as Christians uh, are not going to be, we're not popular now, and we're going to be even less popular uh, in the years to come. And so it may be, we may be in a situation where we don't have the Word of God. So put it in your heart. Make sure your children have it in their hearts. Right. One of my favorite quotes that you say is that Samaritan's Purse, we don't run away from the fire. We run to it. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain what you mean by that and times that you've done that? Well, I think when you um, – let's just take the tornadoes that hit, hit Alabama. We get in a plane and we go. We go see it for ourselves. Meet with the people that have lost their homes. Talk to them. And then come up with a plan on how we can help them. And so whether it's the fires in California or whether it's the tornadoes in Alabama or the hurricanes that hit the Gulf Coast, uh, we want the Samaritans first to run to those events. And we want to get there quickly because if you delay, uh, people need help now. They don't need it maybe months from now. They need it today. And even if you wait a few few days, uh, the despair and the anxiety sets in, but when you roll up with your trucks and you've got volunteers and, hey, what can, what can we do to help you? The, the encouragement that, that gives to people to know that there are volunteers there to help them clean their lot, to look for their possessions, to take the tree off their roof, to patch that hole where the water's coming through the roof. Um, just having that, knowing that there are people there to help them. 
And, of course, we do this in Jesus' name. And every time we do this, we see people get saved. Um, the volunteers, we give everybody a Bible, and we, we sign it. Uh, while Samaritan's Purse is working on the roof or cleaning the lot, we've got chaplains from the Billy Graham Association who team up with us. And one of the chaplains will be talking to the homeowner while we're trying to do, get the work and, and just sharing what we believe with the homeowner. Uh, and we've had some wonderful stories. Of, we, we had a guy out west this last year, and we, we put it up on my Facebook page, but he was kind of an old, kind of a crotchety guy, and tornado came and destroyed his home, and the volunteers came in and helped him. And uh, some of them just presented the gospel to this guy, and he was always skeptical of Christians, hmm. just skeptical. And it was just so wonderful to see that during that week while they were helping him, that God changed his heart, and he accepted Christ, and he prayed the prayer. And I remember getting a, an email from a person in their family, I think it was a granddaughter, saying how she had been praying for her grandfather, and, uh, and she had not known. She had seen this on our website, that there was her grandfather, and he prayed the prayer to receive Christ. And, um, but that, that happens over and over and over again. But that's just an example of where volunteers coming in, helping a person, opens up their hearts and softens their heart for them to hear the gospel. And here was a guy who, again, was a, kind of a skeptic, uh, didn't trust uh, a lot of Christians. So, well, Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we always like to ask our guests if they have a particular scripture to share with us or something that you're, you're reading through. Um, I think, you know, um, I was reading just Philippians this week. And Philippians, I think it's 1-6, um, he who began a good work in you, will, I'm confident, will complete it or bring you into completion. Kind of, that's a paraphrase, my paraphrase. Yes. But it's confident that he who has begun a good work, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, will continue that and will complete that work in our lives. And um, so, you know, that's just... Share that. And that's what I love about you. You are authentic and letting lo the Lord work in you. You're mm -hmm. surrendered. Mm -hmm. And I think you said, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter that I'm Billy Graham's son. It's mm -hmm. being God's son that yeah. really matters and letting mm -hmm. him complete the work in me. So thank you for spending time with us. Would you mind closing us in prayer? Is there a sure. prayer request we can pray for this week and well, partner with? I'm, I'm leading for uh, Columbia. Um, this is where Samaritan's Purse has been working, helping these refugees. Mm -hmm that have been coming out of Venezuela, uh, visited Cucuta. We have several programs in Cucuta for these families that are fleeing the oppression in Venezuela. So when I was there back several months ago, I thought, I want to do a crusade down here. But they haven't, I asked, has anybody ever been there to preach like that? And they, they, nobody could remember. Wow. So um, uh, I thought maybe we'd go back like at around February or something, but the church isn't wanted it closer to Easter. So, okay, we'll, we'll come down to Easter. That'll be fun. Mm -hmm. So, well, let's pray. Father, we pray for the people of uh, Venezuela, uh, the people that are suffering there so much. And as we go to Cucuta, uh, Father, we know that many people will walk across the bridge to come to the, to the meetings. And Father, we pray that people will get saved and take the gospel back across into Venezuela. We pray for the people of Colombia who have come through so many years of civil war. Father, we pray for peace, not only in Colombia, but we pray for the peace in Venezuela. 
that you would work in the hearts and minds of the leaders of those countries. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity. We pray that we'll be faithful to you. And, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. And thank you, audience, for listening. Please tune in for our next podcast. Thank you. Thank you.